You're listening to Comedy Central. Things go down all the time, like social media. But when Spotify went down today, it made me realize how cloud dependent we've come as people. You realize everything of yours is on the cloud, right? Like everything. Social media goes down, it's fine. Today, I had no music. Like I just, I had no music. Where's the music? It's on the cloud. Back in the day, the internet didn't affect my music. You know what I mean? You could do whatever you wanted with the internet. I still had my Casey and Jojo CD. You know what I mean? The worst that could happen was that it could get a scratch. That was like the worst thing that could happen to you. And oh, my, 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 then just skip. If you're really good, when you, your CD skipped, you knew when to skip, you know what I mean? You knew like, you knew it would happen at 1.34. And so if you'd have people over at 1.33, you'd like pause and then say something. <laughs> you guys liking this? Then skip over to 1.37. All right, I'll carry on. That's why I think you should have a fair split, some physical, you know what I mean? Some virtual, not everything in the cloud. I'm gonna go back and buy some CDs now just to get back in the game. Only the shit I really listen to, mixtapes coming back. I actually wanna go back to cassettes. Rewind that shit, son. Take it back. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, the world has a gas problem. Badass women of war. And Saad Guru. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and joining me for today's headlines is my good friend, Roy Wood Jr. What's going on, Roy? I'm good, man. I'm not worried about none of that Spotify, the cloud. None of, I ain't gonna lose none of my... I printed every email I ever got in life. I got them all at the house. So you're not worried because you've basically just physicalized everything in your life? Everything. Everything, every picture, all that, all that shit in a box at the crib, bro. That is a miserable way to live, but at least you you've got me, your emails. Ask me if I got every email. Right, ask do you, me if, ask do, you have, me. do you have every email? Yes, I do. Like every email I've ever you'll sent never, you? You'll never catch me slacking, bro. Well, I, I, I hope you're happy. Even the spam, I print that too. Because you never know. Good to see you, Roy. Yeah. All right, let's jump into today's headlines. We kick things off with COVID-19. Yesterday, the official global death toll from COVID passed 6 million, which according to the US means the pandemic is over. Congratulations, everybody, we did it. And yes, things are getting better as the Omicron wave recedes, don't get me wrong, because cases and hospitalizations are falling. You know, most places are ending mask mandates and other antivirus measures, which means you can now legally push the elevator buttons with your tongue again. We're back, baby. But don't forget this. Around 1,400 Americans are still dying from COVID every single day, right? The vast majority of them unvaccinated, which is why the one measure that all experts are pushing harder than ever is vaccinations and boosters. But it turns out it's not all experts. Florida's head doctor says the state will be the first in the nation to recommend that healthy kids should not get vaccinated for COVID. State Surgeon General made the announcement yesterday during a roundtable discussion organized by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. It included doctors who criticized coronavirus lockdowns and mandates. The CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics do recommend that COVID vaccine be administered to all children five or older. The Florida Department of Health is going to to 
uh, be the first state to officially recommend against the COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. Okay, first of all, let me just say that it is shocking to find out that Florida has a Surgeon General. Yeah, I, I didn't know they had that. This is like finding out that TJ Maxx actually has someone who organizes the clothes. What? What do you do all day? Have you seen that shit? But I mean, of course, the Florida Surgeon General is gonna have some weird opinions. He's the Surgeon General of Florida. Come on, his other health recommendations are like, alligators can't hurt you if you're drunk. What did we expect? It's Florida, people. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I do get, I do get where some people are coming from on this issue. It is true that with a few rare exceptions, COVID is not a problem for kids. I understand that completely, especially since kids are little germ factories all the time. Yeah, coronavirus doesn't make them more sick than they already are the 360 days of the year anyway. I get it. But don't forget how vaccines work. The more everybody gets them, even people who are not vulnerable, the less the virus can spread, which protects people who are vulnerable, and it helps prevent new variants from emerging. That's the main thing. Yeah, because what, you thought Omicron was gonna be the last variant? No, not the way the shit is still spreading. Next thing you know, the, the new variant is probably gonna have legs. Yeah, it's gonna infect your lungs and kick you in the nuts. Pow, <laughs> ah! Here, here, here's the thing though, man, this is what people are not considering, Trevor. There's gonna be some strong kids coming out of Florida over the next two decades. Because, <laughs> like, look at what they, they up against, man. You up against COVID? You up against the toxic algae down there. The water is all crazy down there too. I'm telling you, man, it's gonna be some strong alligators. You gotta run from gators. It's gonna be some strong kids. That's what they're doing. Strong or mutants. That's that also means strong. Mutant is another word for strong. And I agree gonna with be you. Some I, strong, can't, I can't fight you on that. Some strong unvaccinated children. I might move my boy down there and teach him some football. All right, let's move on to the other pandemic that people keep insisting is behind us. Racism. And I know, I know there are all sorts of things that make people go, oh, is that really racist though? Is it really racist to touch a black person's hair or say the N word during karaoke? I mean, yeah, you were singing Sweet Caroline. There was no need for it. But (laughs) there is one thing that absolutely everyone can agree is racist and that's lynching. And now that is finally official. The U.S. Senate has just now passed a bill making lynching a federal hate crime. The Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act was passed unanimously last night. That bill is named for the 14-year-old whose brutal torture and murder helped to spark the civil rights movement. And it designates lynching as a hate crime punishable by up to 30 years in prison. Congress had previously failed to pass anti-lynching legislation despite over 200 attempts since 1918. You see, people, this just goes to show that both political parties can come together and pass common sense legislation. They just need 104 years to do it. You just gotta be patient. And you know what that means? Prescription drugs, you better watch out because your price is going down in the year 2122, 2123. We'll be alive, we'll be alive by then. We'll still be alive. Well, the prices will, then they'll definitely be down. You know, if you ask me, it's actually no coincidence that they couldn't pass this law for 100 years and then Mike Pence almost gets lynched, and suddenly lynching is a hate crime. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a coincidence, don't you think? Maybe, maybe that's how black people can solve all their problems. Like, I'm not saying I want Mike Pence to get beaten up by the police. I'm just saying if they tased him once or twice, it would probably help speed things along. And look, I know it's slightly disappointing knowing that this law only got passed in 2022, but all you gotta do, all you've gotta do is treat the footage a little, a little bit just to make it feel like it happened ages ago when it actually should have. 
The U.S. Senate has just now passed a bill making lynching a federal hate crime. And this just in, I heard there's now a telephone in Europe. Exciting times. Happened so long ago, Roy. It feels good. It, it did happen so long ago. Should we still focus on old racism? Or at this point, we should, I just think we should just be proactive and just look at future racism and just start passing the laws now so that by the time we need the law, the law will be in place. Like right now on the books should be the anti-Mars, the Mars Desegregation Act should be on the books now. We should start discussing the desegregation of Mars. Well, you, you're assuming that black people are gonna make it to Mars. They never will if we don't pass the legislation, Trevor. That's why we have to now focus on making sure that it's legal for black people to go to Mars. What if they say, like they're just gonna send all the black people to Mars only? You know what, let me call my congressman and discuss that because I hadn't considered that option. All right, let's move on. Because our main story today is about the continuing war in Ukraine. So let's catch up on all the latest in our ongoing coverage of the war in Ukraine. It is now day 13 of Russia's plan to liberate Ukrainians by bombing all of their cities. And things don't look like they'll be getting better anytime soon. A third round of peace talks has ended with no resolution. Two million Ukrainians have now fled the country and the Russians are reportedly trying to pay Syrians to come fight with them against Ukraine. And I don't know, man, I feel like Syrians must be pretty conflicted about this. You know, cause on the one hand, Russia's asking them to fight in another war. But on the other hand, there's finally one European country happy to have Syrians come over, huh? And you know, if you ask me, I think this is a pretty smart strategy from Putin. He's probably thinking that if he can turn this into a Middle East conflict, then the West will stop caring about it. Meanwhile, in the battle to isolate Russia, McDonald's and Starbucks have become the latest Western corporations to cut ties with Russia with both announcing that they would temporarily close all locations in the country. Yeah, no Starbucks, no McDonald's. That's a sad life to live. Yeah, no pick me up in the morning, no happy meals, or as they call them in Russia, meals. I don't think they have a word for happy, you know? Yeah, they just like go to the drive-through and then give the kid the food, just like, look in meal, Dimitri. There is great toy of wheelbarrow to remind you the purpose of life is work. This is your birthday. This is your birthday. You were born on this day. This is your birthday. Now, as the situation in Ukraine gets more dire, the economic fallout of the war is spreading to the rest of the world. This morning, gas prices soaring to the highest average ever recorded, $4.17 a gallon. I just filled up right now, and it cost me $50 versus normally it costing me 30 Up 10 cents in just one day and 55 cents since last week, eclipsing the previous record of 4.10 a gallon set 14 years ago. In California, $4 a gallon would be a relief. The average there is 5.28. Prices at this Shell station in Los Angeles hitting nearly $7. Oh my God. Gas prices, shocking drivers at the pump. It's $100 and it's not even a full tank. Yeah, if you thought gas prices were already high, Russia invading Ukraine has only made things worse, which sucks for everybody. I mean, it sucks for parents who need to drive kids to school. It sucks for small businesses who have to spend more money to move things around. It sucks for everyone. 
Because the price of gas affects the price of everything. Like, if this keeps up, the next Fast and Furious movie is gonna take place on public transportation. It's all about saving gas. And I feel so bad for everyone who gets surprised when they fill up their tank. I mean, think about it. Yesterday, you had enough money, and then all of a sudden, today, you don't. Your salary didn't go up, right? Nothing in your life changed. You just don't have enough money. Which, by the way, is weird. Can we agree on this as a concept? It's weird. It's weird that the price of gas changes, but, like, instantly at the pump. Do you you get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the change should only affect the gas that's on its way, not the gas that's already there. Like, this gas has been here for a week, so technically, that's the $4 gas. You know what I mean? Give me the $4 gas. In fact, give me the gas at the bottom of the tank. That's like the $2 shit. It's been there for a while. I'm gonna charge the $5 shit still coming. The price changed. That price changed. I want the stuff that's here now. And can we spare a moment for this woman who was surprised there? I mean, just think about it. A camera crew comes up to her and they're like, uh, can we film you while you fill up your tank? She was probably like, oh boy, I'm on a secret game show. Oh, he's gonna finally propose. And then they're just like, ha ha, we showed you don't have enough money on the news. Have a good day. And you know, you've really got to hand it to corporations when you think about it, man. Because you hear people all the time going like, ah, the price of oil has gone up, so everything costs more. But they've done a great job of tricking all of us into thinking that prices are these magical things that nobody has control over. Because you understand, as consumers, we understand it. We go, the price of oil went up, so we're gonna have to pay more. But who made that rule? Right, oil companies are making windfall profits right now over $100 billion a year. Why can't they take a hit? Just a tiny hit. Yeah, because when prices go up, you know, the oil companies are there and they're just making the money. They're just like, oh man, I, I wish there was something we could do. Well, you could make a little less profit. No, oh, no, something else, something else. Mm, something else we could do that wouldn't affect us. What would it be? And the question is now, why are gas prices surging the way they are? Well, as you heard, Russia, supplies a lot of oil to the rest of the world. And even though America and Europe have passed loads of sanctions against Russia, they've cut off its banks and they've kicked it out of the UN book club, they're still paying Russia $500 million every day for oil and gas. Which, I mean, let's be honest, doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, you're sending money to a country that you're basically at war with. Like, if you were in a bar fight, Wouldn't it be strange to buy the other guy a bottle of Bud Light so that he can smash you over the head with it? In fact, it's such a weird arrangement that many countries have been talking about boycotting Russian oil, which then created fears of an oil shortage that sent oil prices skyrocketing. Yeah, and apparently those fears were well-founded because today, America did this. Today, more consequences from the United States. President Biden announced a ban on all Russian oil, natural gas, and coal imports to the U.S. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. Americans have rallied rallied to support their Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin but there will be cost as well here in the United States. Since Putin began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, just since then, the price of the gas at the pump in America went up 75 cents. And with this action, it's gonna go up further. I'm gonna do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. Yes, you heard the president. Russian oil is now banned from the United States. But don't get it twisted. America isn't just gonna start riding bikes everywhere, all right? It's gotta get that oil from somewhere. And luckily, America produces a lot of its own oil. There's Texas, there's Alaska, there's Rudy Giuliani. 
but it's still not enough. It's still not enough oil. So America has also been reaching out to countries that it's not exactly on great terms with, you know, like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to try and get them to pump more oil to get the prices back down. Which you have to admit is a bit of an awkward situation to be in, you know? Cause yeah, America's basically like, these countries are immoral and we will have nothing to do with them. You guys have any uh, gas money, Saudi Arabia? <laughs> I said that shit to you before I was home. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if those countries turned around and, and flipped it on America if they were like, America, we would love to sell you oil, but we cannot do business with a country that drones civilians in the Middle East. Our conscience will not allow it. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. We'll take your money. You should have seen your face though. You were so scared, huh? Imagine we don't take your money. <laughs> but while America is able to go cold turkey on Russian oil, Europe is hooked. They're completely hooked for now. And like, completely hooked. The EU gets 40% of its gas and a quarter of its oil from Russia. Which is why they couldn't join this boycott even if they wanted to. Yeah, without Russia's energy, Europe wouldn't have enough heat for their homes or fuel for their cars or oil for their weird Christmas blackface celebrations. Which means that Russia has a lot of leverage in that relationship and it turns out that they know it. As the weight of crippling sanctions falls on Russia, Vladimir Putin is now threatening to cut off Europe's gas supply. In an address on state television on Monday, Russia's deputy prime minister, Alexander Novak, warned that Russia has every right to shut off its gas deliveries to Europe. He added, so far, we are not taking such a decision, but European politicians, with their statements and accusations against Russia, push us towards that. Yeah, you see, you can't go too hard after the country that makes it possible for you to survive winter. That's why Europe always has to pepper its denunciations of Russia with like the occasional compliment. This war in Ukraine is as inexcusable as Tchaikovsky's music is unforgettable, huh? Now, of course, this is a two-way street. Sure, Europe needs Russian oil, but Russia needs Europe's money. I mean, what else do they have to offer? It's not like they're gonna fund a war by selling cabbage soup. So both sides of this relationship are in a game of chicken and nobody knows who's gonna give. But one thing we do know is this. It would definitely be better for Europe and America to not be in this situation in the first place. Because Putin has shined a spotlight on the trade-offs that dependency on fossil fuels creates. If countries wanna move to renewable energy or safe nuclear power, they can no longer afford to make that like item number 10 on the agenda. Yeah, because not only will the planet suffer, but you'll find yourself constantly having to make deals with the devil. All right, when we come back, we'll take a look at the women who are helping to fight the Russian invasion. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Show. When Russia invaded Ukraine, most of the world thought that they were just gonna roll their tanks in and have the whole country in a few days. But as it turns out, the Ukrainian resistance has been so effective that after two weeks, the Russians have barely captured any of the cities that they've been attacking. And considering that the Russian army is eight times the size of Ukraine's, this has been humiliating for Russia, right? It's like Godzilla getting his ass whipped by the Geico gecko. And a major part of Ukraine's resistance has been thanks to Ukrainian women. 
And I'm not just talking about the Ukrainian women who protected their children while on the run or helped lead others into bomb shelters or even gave birth in subway stations while Russian missiles rained down on them. No, I'm talking about all the Ukrainian women who have actively joined the fight itself. As the fighting in Ukraine continues, thousands of women of all ages, some even without military training, are taking up weapons and heading to the front lines to defend their country. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian women have stayed behind to fight on the front lines. They are Ukraine's mothers, daughters, teachers, politicians, now on the front lines defending their country under siege. Men are required by martial law to stay back and fight the Russian invasion, but many women are foregoing the chance to leave. I was helping my husband to pack for a war, you know, like t-shirts, underwear, weapons. Um, and then I thought, okay, he's going to war. I'm going to. I want to fight also because this is my country, this is my home. We are the women of Ukraine. We will destroy the enemy on every inch of Ukrainian land. We will shoot you like rabid dogs. God damn, the women of Ukraine are not f***ing around. And how about that woman who went to war to be with her husband? I mean, people, the phrase relationship goals gets thrown around a lot nowadays, but that's next level. Yeah, that's not even in wedding vows. You realize the priest is like, you've got to stay together in sickness and in health, but if Russia invades, you do you. Now, obviously not every Ukrainian woman is on the front lines, right? But even the women who aren't fighting aren't just waiting at home, hoping for the best. No, they're joining the resistance in other ways. From making protective gear like camouflage nets and bulletproof vests to building homemade weapons, Ukrainian women are mobilizing, no matter how old or how young. In a volunteer center in Lviv, moms gather supplies for those fighting further east. We understand we need to hold strong, like a fist, like this. Since military-age men can't leave Ukraine, women are acting as couriers. 29-year-old Kristina came to this border crossing with a mission to pick up and deliver this car to the front. Women of all ages are now helping to defend the besieged nation, making Molotov cocktails. How did you learn how to make Molotov cocktails? Google helped, she tells me. Okay, that's amazing. That grandmother learned how to make Molotov cocktails from Google? I didn't even know you could do that. I mean, she is gonna pay the price now, though. Yeah, because every website she goes to is gonna give her ads for Molotov cocktails now. Yeah, and then she's gonna be like, I don't need to see these ads. I already made the Molotovs. Oh, it's so annoying. I wish there was a way to tell the ads to stop popping up. You won, leave me alone. I bought the thing you told me to buy. And by the way, if a grandmother is making Molotov cocktails, those are probably gonna be the best tasting cocktails around. Yeah, because I don't know about yours, but my grandmother can make anything taste good. Yeah, Russian soldiers are gonna be on fire like, ah, ah, so tasty, ah! But it's not just Ukrainian women fighting against Putin. No, it turns out there are also Russian women fighting against him too. The chant no to war is resounding throughout Russia. In St. Petersburg, this brave old lady stood up to a goon squad of armored police during an anti-war protest. She is said to be a childhood survivor of the Nazi siege of Leningrad during World War II. Some saying they'd rather risk arrest than live with guilt. I want the whole world to see that we don't want it, this woman says. One video on social media showed Russian security forces in St. Petersburg roughing up a woman holding a peace sign and a baby. This woman even burning her Russian passport in an anti-war protest in Germany. 
Yeah, it turns out Russian women all over the globe are also standing up against this unjust war. I mean, that granny survived Nazis and now she's fighting for this. That mother was arrested with her baby attached to her chest. And I'm sorry, people, armored police should not be roughing up a baby. Only an armored police baby is allowed to do that. It's called a fair fight. Now, look, I don't know if Ukraine's or Russia's women will be able to stop Putin, but on this International Women's Day, I think it's worth highlighting how women across two countries are coming together to fight a crazy man's war. All right, don't go away, because when we come back, international spiritual leader Sadhguru will be joining me on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is yogi, mystic, visionary, and best-selling author, Sadhguru. He's here to talk about why he's beginning a global awareness campaign to save soil. Sadhguru, nice welcome to, to The Daily Show. Wonderful. <laughs> you see, now, this is weird for me because <laughs> we tried to start this interview and then we had a technical issue and now we're starting the interview again. And now I'm like, am I being as authentic as I could be with you as a guru or is this <laughs> in and of itself inauthentic? To, you know? Just be yourself, there's nothing called authentic. Nobody knows what's that authentic. Because uh, human beings are a consequence of a thousand things they've picked up all over. Man, that's deep. Impressions, right? We're gonna have a good time, I can tell. <laughs> We're gonna have a really good time. By the way, I, I woke up today a lot unhappier than I woke up yesterday because I, I had to do all the research for our interview. <laughs> and I, I knew that there's war in Russia. I knew that there is, um, you know, that we, we're facing a climate crisis. And then now, thanks to you, I know that we also are facing a soil crisis where some people are estimating that if we do nothing in 50 years time, we may not be able to grow anything because we may run out of soil, which, forgive my ignorance, I did not know that soil is even something that we could run out of. Uh, the thing is, uh, this has happened in the last fifty to hundred years of industrialized farming, that the organic content in the soil is going away because there's no replenishment. To replenish the soil, we either need, uh, you know, leaves and vegetative matter or animal waste. Both of them have disappeared from the farms. We thought we could do everything with the machines. Mm -hmm. Machines can plow, machines can do the work that animals and human beings were doing but organic content cannot come from the machine. It has to come from vegetative or animal waste, and that is not there. Because of that, one must understand, if you add organic content to sand, it becomes soil. If you take away organic content from soil, it becomes sand. So right now, desertification is one of the most serious problems. As you said, fifty years or sixty years' time, after that there's not enough soil to grow crops. But the more important thing is, by 2035 to 2040, they're expecting that we will grow 40% less food than what we are growing right now, and our populations will be over 9 billion. That's not a world you want to live in, that's not a world where you want to leave your children. So we need to act now. Why it's very important to act now and institute or enshrine this in our policy is, on an average, according to UNFAO, mm -hmm. on an average, 27,000 species of microbes are going extinct per year. It, and is that because of how we farm or is that a natural consequence of existence? Uh, because there is no organic content for the microbes. 
See, I see. As, as you know today that you cannot even digest the food that you eat if there are no gut microbiome. Yes. Similarly, in the soil, it is the same reflection in a much more complex way. Without the microbial activity in the soil, the plants are not able to get the necessary nourishment from the soil. So, we are throwing chemicals and boosting them up, but without needed nourishment. On an average, the drop in nourishment in United States from early 20th century to now, is uh, approximately 90%, only 10% is left. If you ate one orange in 1920, you need to eat eight oranges today to get the same stuff. So that's simply impractical. So we're moving to a place where food production is sliding down gradually. Mm -hmm. So this sliding down will affect... FAO predicts that by 2035, there could be dozens of civil wars across the world. And that is not necessarily in African countries or South America, it could be anywhere. FAO, I mean, the World Food Program talks about famines around Chicago, Illinois area by 2035. This is terrifying. You know, it's... I was talking to a friend about how before the pandemic, I think there was a certain hubris that human ha humans had about everything. We just believed it would always go on. You hear these doomsday prophecies, or you hear these even warnings about the world ending at some point, or humans not being able to inhabit the planet. But until the pandemic, I feel like we didn't have a, um, a tangible example of the world mm -hmm. stopping. You know, people would even say, how do you stop the world? How can you just stop travel? How can mm -hmm. you stop countries? How and now we've seen it. Yeah. And now you're telling us... No, this is not a doomsday prediction. Okay. This is a wake-up call because we are at a cusp of time that if we do the right things right now, in another 15 to 20 years, we can make a significant turnaround. So what are the right things to do? We've been pushing this for the last two years. We have these programs going for over 25 years in mm -hmm. southern India, where we have brought in 10% of the farmer's lands under uh, tree cultivation and animals, so that this 10% produces enough organic content for the remaining 90%. Oh, so once okay. the organic content is about 3 to 6%, minimum is 3 to 6%. If you raise the organic content to 8 to 10% in the soil, your irrigation requirements will come down to 30% of what it is, because the water holding capacity of organically rich soil is such. If you raise it to 12 to 15%, your irrigation requirement would come down to 10 to 15 percent. That is, instead of 100 liters of water, you would use 15 liters of water for mm -hmm. the same crop. That's what needs to happen. And this is the same story everywhere. When it comes to ecology, when it comes to soil, yeah. our national barriers, racial discriminations, our religions, our castes, our creeds, our gender stuff, our, uh, you know, political ideologies, nothing matters. This is a unifying factor. If we as a generation of people act now, to change the necessary policy changes, which is not some rocket science. This is something always farmers in the past knew, yeah. but we forgot in the last 50 years. Are you, are you getting any signs that governments are, are enthusiastic to try and do something about this? See, in the last two years, I've been talking to various uh, country heads, various politicians, political parties. We have written to 730 political parties on the planet to make sure that they include soil and ecology as a part of their election manifestos, as their political philosophy. Whatever they believe in, right, left, center, whatever they are, soil is one thing which is a common factor for all of us. 
we're always looking at what divides us. It's time, if you don't understand the consciousness of this cosmos and stuff like that, at least you understand you come from the soil, you live off the soil, when you die, you go back to the soil, <laughs> that much you get it. What I see is in the last two years that I've been talking to people, everybody knows there is a serious problem, yeah. everybody knows what is the solution also, but I think it looks like they were all waiting for an idiot to bell the cat, so here I am. <laughs> I'm 65 and I'm riding 30,000 kilometers, must be an idiot, isn't it? <laughs> Sadhguru, I, I could talk to you forever and I guess that's why people, you know, come to your, your events and your, you know, uh, it's the gatherings, they read your books, they, they, they want to see what you're going to do. Um, on a journey of soil, it, it, it feels like it is yet another thing that we add to our list that that governments need to do, that people need to do, that, you know, if we don't do this, it's over. If we don't do that, this it's is, over. This is not one more thing, Trevor. No, 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 I'm, I'm saying it I, feels like. See, uh, I'm, I have enough on my hands, I don't have to take this up. I've taken this up because as a generation of people, if we don't do this now, we will regret this, seriously. If you don't enshrine it in the policy now, it'll get too late if you leave it for another 20, 30 years' time. This needs to happen now. So we want everybody to talk about soil for a hundred days in their own terms. If they don't know anything, we will provide a massive amount of information on mm -hmm. our website. They can pick it up and use it as their own, or they can research themselves whichever way they want. If they don't know anything else to say, just say, save soil, let's make it happen every day <laughs> If you… if you send a message to somebody, close it with save soil. If you call somebody, say save soil. Save soil. It was great chatting to you, Sadhguru. <laughs> Safe soil, my friend. Thank, Thank you very you. much for being here. Thank it's you. Uh, really been wonderful having yep. you. For more information on Sadhguru's Save Soil movement, all you've got to do is visit the website below. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, today is International Women's Day. So, please consider supporting Women Giving Back. Their mission is to support women and children in crisis by providing quality clothing and diaper assistance at no cost. Every year, they provide over 10,000 women and children with these necessities. So if you can support them in their work, then please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, pumping gas at the gas station might be expensive, but siphoning the gas out of your neighbor's tank that's free. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 